Jace, good to be back. Oh, I love being We've been back. filming some weird motherfucking commercials. Yes, we have. They're very strange. <laughs> Speaking of that, Tactical Distributors. Impossible 15. 15. What's it get you? 15% off at checkout. TacticalDistributors.com. They have good stuff, man. Those new they pants they sent me, because, you know, I just... I keep trying to like exercise and diet and I just keep getting thicker and thicker. I'm like a fucking biscuit rising now. <laughs> and these they sent me some stretchy pants, man. Yep. It's like yoga pants for men's the way they feel, but you look awesome. One I thing about them. their pants that I didn't know until they told me when we were down there was that whatever size pant you are, you order it. Everyone is one inch bigger in size because they promote uh, inside the waistband carrying. So they're for they real. Do, yeah. I thought they were just helping us as fat, uh, as fat guys that didn't want to. That's like, what I thought too. But admit to but they're pit. like, no, no, no. We do it because like we want guys to carry a gun in their pants. I was like, that's pretty cool. I don't carry. Well, but I'm packed. But if you do, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's a commercial in there somewhere. <laughs> I love having fun. Just laughing is the yeah. best thing. I don't know what the hell's wrong when people don't like to have fun and laugh. Wally, there we can see, buddy. It's good to see you. You too. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks yeah. for having me up here. Um, it's obviously been a long time. Thanks yeah. for reaching out in, I think it was December or January. You hit up Kramer and uh, reconnected us. And yeah, I saw you at the Sock F thing. Yep. Yeah, it had been, it'd been a few years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, life's funny, isn't it? It's, it's always interesting. So, Jay, so Wally and I met, I don't know, it's <laughs> in the scope of your life, it was a long time ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but it is interesting. I mean, that's another thing that, like, Sock F, we've talked about it here before. Like, what a great charity and organization where these guys actually, I mean, not that they all don't start that way, but out of the goodness of their hearts and still not taking any money. No, it's, and, yeah, I can't, you know, thank them enough. Uh, you know, just their leadership kind of in that in that charitable space with, you know, different organizations um, and then as well for just what they do for veterans um, and the families. It, it's so cool. And I tell you, Dave, because I don't know how old it is now. It's maybe like 10 years old. It seems it's getting it's getting up there. Well, it started with, um, you know, when we lost Shady. Um, oh, yeah, that's And it right. started with these magazines. Um, that's right. Dave yep. paint, painted some of them red with a stencil exactly. that he did. Yeah, with, um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it started. And they kind of keep kept going, kept going, kind of figuring out how they could give that money um, away to you know the families, and then uh, you know he started everything. It started with Gold Star families, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Yep. And then it started obviously out of Atlanta. He got um, all his friends together, all the the crew: Dave, Money, yeah, Griff, um, Scott, great human beings. Oh, just amazing! And then uh, you know all the the things they did in, in Atlanta that kind of inspired us at, at Tomahawk to start our charity um, and just look at just the different way to do things. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate enough where our business makes enough money. So, you know, we pay the people, uh, which is my business partner, my wife, we, we pay them. They, but it's all through our profit for profit business. And then we have the nonprofit where none of these donations go to uh, anybody's salary. Um, oh, that's awesome. So like sock. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got, it's Tomahawk. Charitable Solutions. Charitable Solutions. Yep. And so that's the nonprofit. That's our nonprofit, yes. And um, yeah, so you were telling me you guys had given money to SOC F that you've raised. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's the premise of the uh, the charity that we have. We, we looked at it um, and we didn't know what we wanted to give to, but we knew we wanted to give to veterans, law enforcement, and family members. Um, and we saw some, some kind of gaps in the current charities out there. Um, just in the fundraising, and we yeah. we understood that we had um, 
through the different um, businesses that we do, but as well, just, you know, just life in general, we knew a lot of people um, and we could bring these people together for an event. Um, it, we have, we do it in Nashville every year. Oh, Nashville's a great town. That's where love you are it. now. Yep. I love it. Nashville. These great. events are so fun too. I don't even know how to explain to people, but I, I go to Africa. So, I mean, by the time this is up, I will have been gone and I'll be gone for a few weeks and I'm actually coming home a little early to go to the next sock F event mm-hmm. there in Georgia. Yep. And it is such a great time. Cause you know, last time it's where I got this mag. There's like, uh, what? 53 of you guys there. So, so, you know, basically, I don't, what, what was, what would you say? It's like special forces or are these all tier one guys or? Nope. It's special operations care fund. You know, it, it's, it sets the whole, um, I know they're basically their charters for pretty much all special operations. So yeah. it's not just, um, Navy SEALs or Green Berets or, or, or tier one. It's, you know, the air force guys. It's also the paramilitary guys. Um, yeah. so a lot of those are underserved, um, I yeah. think they just don't have that that natural gravitas where, uh, you know, it, and it's not unbeknownst to them. It's like they should have um, the support of everybody. Yeah, it's a, it's a God, it's a tricky one. I mean, I guess politics it always is, but I mean, it just seems so simple. But these events in general, like you've been to them, I've been to them. That last event last year was so fun. There was, was like fifty three of you guys mm-hmm. there. I think that was the biggest sock F event ever. Um, they raised a million dollars that night. Mm-hmm. One insane. night. Yeah, so it's so cool because, like, um, you know, I was there with Caleb Cry, Tom like, Smith, like, Wayne Weber. Oh, Tom Smith, the auction. Tom. Yeah, he remember last year he auctioneer because uh, mm-hmm. Jeremy wasn't there and um, sold his shirt, took his shirt off and sold it for $6,000 at the end of the night. Like, Tom Smith, what a great fucking American. Dude. But those events are, they've turned into so fun because I don't like the, like, the kind of, hoity like stuffy mm-hmm. shit where everybody's proven how rich they are it's pretty great when somebody looks like they could be homeless and they spend a hundred thousand dollars on a gun yeah and then give it away to auction it back yep back off i mean there's a lot of fantastic people there those events are such a blast and there's all kinds of great stuff like they had the stuff from remember they had the thing from like the rotor or something from black hawk down where they went and recovered that and that yeah. was auctioned off last yeah, time a piece of that they had you know, they've had different uniforms. They've had, I mean, ju- and just very yeah. unique events as well that you yeah. can kind of partake in. Yeah. So, so this one they do sporting clays. So you go shoot mm. sporting clays. And so you get, you know, some special, one of the special forces guys there that have received, um, you know, help or either some of the guys just come to help raise the money, but have see, uh, received help from the donations to SOCF and you get to go around and shoot sporting clays with them. And then you have like a great dinner that night. And then it's just some drinking and an auction. And so lots of great people in the industry donate product. And so you can actually, too, I don't think they do a good job of promoting this, but, you know, look at me being a critic when they do everything for free. But um, on their their website, and they generally have like a little app thing where you can bid on the silent auction stuff, even remotely. And on uh, then they have a live auction there. And that's when things get crazy. Like we sold... You know, a honey badger, the first one, honey badger pistol for like twenty eight grand. Last yeah, fix uh, went crazy, right? Because yeah, I was getting drunk last time. You know, like Vanka and I were there, and I was like, I had a couple drinks, and it's like, hey, Q's doing pretty good, and our fix was up there. And you know, when it got to like ten grand, I was like, hey, I'll give twelve. Yeah. You know, and it gets to like eighteen, I'm like, I'll give twenty, and it got to thirty. Yeah, and I, this is where I was clearly drunk because I was like thirty two, <laughs> 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 and fortunately. 
some guy with actually a lot of money bought it for like 38,000 bucks, like a fixed rifle that we Mm -hmm. built. I mean, that just goes to show you like the spirit of those things and the people that are there. Um, Oh man. And and that got turned out great for him because then like some, um, you know, special forces sniper is actually, so he gets the gun and they're going to like train him how to shoot and everything Mm -hmm. last year after that. So you just get like all the, it's, it's great for everyone involved. No, I, yeah, it's it's just a good old wholesome time. Uh, yeah. the, the SOCF event, and then um, yeah, so and then we have our event in Nashville. So we have uh, country music stars. You know, oh. they come in and sing. Uh, we've just got a great uh, atmosphere. It's just a very, you know, you got a lot of Star Wars here. It's like a Star Wars bar of people. Uh, yeah, you got, you know, you got guys from our background. You got guys from uh, some of the corporations that we work with. Um, we've got friends, people from Nashville. They come in from all over the all over the, the United States, and uh, you know we raised a million but the past two times we've had it in person each each time has been over a million dollars those country One. music stars you guys have that hockey team you're friends with yep that event's uh in the end of uh or middle of november it's on a tuesday november 15th uh but then this year is going to be the first year we're going to do something in the uh the spring we're going to do a golf tournament um may 6th out in nashville golf i brought golf back to maine yeah just before we get into that if anyone wants to donate to sock f they can go on their website uh, and they can Pick the link right here, and they can donate. You know, one thing we've done with that is in the past when people, if you've got a gun on order from us, look, we're trying to fix it. We have quite the backlog, year, year and a half backlog on guns. If you donate to Sock F, we bump you up. Oh, nice. So we do that. And some some people, it's still cool. Like, a dollar is great. Mm -hmm. But some people are cheap, and they donate $10. We have people that will donate 500 or or 1000 yeah. bucks to do it because for a good cause. So what, why, why don't we uh, do it for your charity as well? You got a website and everything? Yeah, TomahawkCharitableSolutions.com. Um, right here. Right here. Right here. <laughs> and if you guys, yeah, if you guys donate, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so if you do that and send it to us and you've got a gun on order with us yeah. or anything else that's on back order, silencer or something, um, Jay says you can go to the front of the line. So all I you got to do so. is send the receipt. To uh, info at livegear.com. Yeah, or Instagram. Yeah, or <laughs> and Instagram. slide to Jay's DMs. Yeah, and uh, we'll get you hooked up with that. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there's other organizations that we support. Um, you know, like I said, we we're kind of the fundraiser. We bring these people together. Um, we raise these funds, and then we um, every year um, the funds that or the the charities, the nonprofits that we support, we make them go through a grant process. Uh, we just don't want. Um, certain charities kind of lose their way as you kind of brought yeah. up uh, in the in the uh, before and you know what we want to do is we want to just make sure that we're being good stewards of our the individuals yeah. that donate to us so we're making we're going to keep up uh, up to speed on all that so um, there's some charities that um, take veterans and law enforcement out hunting we've got some charities um, spikes canine that uh, works for dogs you know they work on the ballistic mm-hmm. vest for dogs uh, through jimmy um We've got one more wave. They make uh, surfboards, so surf therapy for oh, uh, nice for veterans. Um, and then we have um, SOWW that you know that's another one that does some hunting. So because everything's not the same, right? Yeah, everybody doesn't res- respond to the same thing. Like, uh, but everybody's everybody's <coughs> got to be different. Um, yeah, the on surf that. one is cool that yep. you just said. I hadn't thought of that. Right? Yeah, so um, there's that one. There's those, um, and there's a couple other ones that we you know we support and we 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 go you know, that way. Um, one of the big ones that we've done is a partnership with SOC F and us is we put together, um, a, basically a full grant program for any special operator that needs uh, MERT treatment. Uh, so magnetic resonance therapy. Um, and that helps with, 
uh, different different kinds of PTS, TBI, um, and lifting the fog, as Dave says. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, in in concert with SOC F, we've um, we put a, a bunch of veterans through that, some special operation veterans, and uh, it's been really fulfilling to be able to kind of offer that. And that's incredible because you've been through it as well. Yep, I went through it back in uh, 2016 when it was uh, a newer treatment. Yeah, uh, but now they're. They're trying. They're they're streamlining the process so it's it doesn't cost as much and and you can kind of move forward on that side of it. And I can't get into all the specifics of actually how it works, but um, but essentially like brain treatment. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I, I was interested. I talked to Dave probably once a month, and yeah, hearing you know he's always trying. He's doing several things well. I think you know part of it when we talk about some of the charity charities losing their way when they get so big it's 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 a business mm-hmm. you know when you think about like dave kramer or yourself or griff griffin or these guys at sock f like they all have careers and jobs and it's their spare time they do all this and as it grows it's more and more and more so you got to have people donate or either you know their time and energy mm-hmm. not just their money because you got to find things to do with it or you have to start hiring staff then it becomes a business and it's, so I can see where this is like a cyclical thing, like Wounded Warrior started an awesome thing. It gets so big, and yep. so you need to backfill with some of the more grassroots things where they're hands-on. And Yeah. yeah. And people, ha- they have to make a living, you know, when they're working yeah. at some of these charities. Sure. But if if there's a way, and we've kind of figured it out, where, you know, we have our for-profit business, and, you know, that yeah. can cover the costs. And that's, a, that's a great segue. What is your for-profit business now, so, now since you're getting old and, yep. and quasi-retirement? Uh, Tomahawk Strategic Solutions. Yeah. Yep. So, so we it's st- very strategic. Right? Yes. Strategic yeah. thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we. Um, so I started that when I was medically retired back in fourteen, uh, end of fourteen, um, and the primary goal is you know we want to make communities safer. Yeah. Um, whether that's through the law enforcement training that we do with or the gear uh, the gear sales that we have for law enforcement, and then on the corporate side, it, whether it's their security consulting, it's their uh, armed guard, unarmed guard training, um, their employee or uh, their associate population training. Um, just so if they are in one of these events, um, you know, an active threat event, they're able to kind of think through the program or think through the problem and they're able to assess the assess everything. So it's 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 giving them an opportunity to kind of try out if something was going to happen. Um, and hopefully they don't freeze, you know, during any one of those events. Yeah. So you guys do training, mm-hmm. gear, and then what's the other part of it? So it's training on the corporate and the law enforcement side. Yep. So if something was to happen in a big institution that we're, we're training with, we know that they have their own security apparatus. We know that the law enforcement's there. And at some point, their law enforcement's coming. So how does that, how does everything br- uh you know, bridge, how do we bridge that gap yeah. between law enforcement showing up, their own security team taking care of the threat, and then how is that security apparatus going to get the information to the law enforcement individuals? Um, and then as well, the associate population, how are they going to react to it um, and bring more information to, to the individuals that need to respond? When did you start that? That was twenty end of 2014 is kind of when we formed everything. Our first jobs were, uh, uh, I think it was... April 1st, probably April Fool's Day of 2015. <laughs> well, okay. So how much has it grown since then? Uh, exponentially. You know, we started it with two of us yeah. um, going to Panera and wherever else we had some Wi-Fi. That's where we were starting <laughs> it. You know, it's yeah. a classic bootstrapping. And then uh, 
now we're at 18 full-time employees and probably 70 to 80 1099s um, across the United States. That's a, a real business. And you were saying that on the corporate side, um, you're training the security as well as as well as law enforcement, and also some sort of some level of training to the to the employees of the of the sect. Yeah, yeah. So we have um, yeah the employee kind of hey the run hide fight kind right, of right, methodology right. that DHS uses. That's kind of what we prescribe by, um, and we lay out those things of hey how to prepare how to think through it not to make anybody paranoid but right. if yeah. something was to happen uh, how we could do that and then we went um once we started doing that with some of the organizations that we're working with are um you know they have their main their main hubs but then they have a lot of branches or, or other um off-site places so we worked right. on a online capability to make sure that the message that they're getting at the branches is the same message that we're getting in, in some of the in-person training that we're giving as well yeah. And I saw the Tomahawk Institute. Is that? Yeah, that's the online. Okay. Version that's of what the, we okay. Have. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you a sort of unrelated question, but related. So I just watched Dave Chappelle. Maybe it's the closer, one of his specials. He talks about them doing the uh, active shooter drills for the students in mm-hmm. school. What do you think about that? You know, we there was a, there was a time when because obviously being a small business, we can pivot pretty quickly. So yeah. we pivoted. And we're like, okay, we're going to put everything into these kind of school thing. We think it's going to grow. Oh, so you did investigate this. Yeah. We did. And it, um, the, there's very few schools that want to do it. Um, there's some principals that do want to do it. The ones that do, um, we still work with. But a lot of the time, it's... It's know, so high profile and it's such a political thing. Yeah. You know, where it shouldn't be. And Well, even outside like, of I the, can't imagine having to be the principal in charge that and deal with the parents that's the thing like even if they want to do it it's the repercussions from the parents for the unjust repercussions from the parents and all that but i can't imagine no but we've we've done it interesting interestingly enough we have done um some exercises in in high schools um and the municipality brings us (coughs) in so it's their whole law enforcement team so it's that's not only their patrol it's their swat you've got their fire you've got their ems You've got their incident command. And so we're doing a full scale kind of right. exercise. Um, and when we've worked in the high schools, we open it up to minors if their parents obviously yeah. sign the waiver and, and, and come and do the training. And that's where you get some of the best feedback. Yeah. However, um, there's a lot of parents that aren't open to exposing their, their children. Yeah, it's so crazy to me that like it never crosses my mind that the police are going to save my kids never crosses my mind. Well, and that's a, that's an example of what you're explaining. Like if you do that full scale exercise, it should be, it should hit them in the face. Like, Hey, look at how fucked you are. If this happens, like you were not able to, I think and maybe it's some, the head maybe in the sand. It's right. like they can be, you know, it's like when people are ignorant about firearms and stuff, they're terrified of them. Yeah. And it's just like, well, if we just ignore it, it'll be fine. Yeah. That's oh. not going to happen. I yeah, like that's uh, yeah. I don't. Well, I know what I think. My opinion is like, what's the what's the solution to stop like that? Um, what, what was the San, Sandy Hook? Mm-hmm. That's the that idiot crazy kid shot the kindergartners. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, what's the solution for that? Well, I think if you look at it holistically, there's a, there's a few things that you have to look at it. Um, there's obviously having a police officer at the school is going to help. It's not going to be the end all be all. We saw that down in, um, in Broward County. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have, you have to have training for those individuals as well. Um, so you have to invest in, in the training and the resources to be able to kind of do that. 
Number two is it comes down to the different things that, uh, you know, are open to you. It, you have to be aware of kind of the different things. Um, so just locking a door and having some procedures, locking that door, making sure they can't get in. Well, how did he get in? He obviously shot through the glass, opened up the door. Well, there's technologies out there now that uh, basically are, it's a film um, and it just, once you shoot through it, it basically, it can take those rounds. Even if you have a baseball bat, you can start hammering on that, um, on that door Not and it's going to, it's, it. it's going to be able to delay mm. um, him beginning to be able to get into that building and, yeah. and causing, um, causing harm. So that's what you're wanting to do. You're wanting to delay that as long yeah. as you can. So law enforcement can get there uh, because the average response, you know, 90 seconds, um, there's obviously a lot of damage that can happen in 90 seconds. Yeah. So you have to delay that as much as you can so that at least the police officers have that shot. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about those things. But, yeah, I mean, that's the way I think about security for, like, whatever my gun collection and stuff. It's just layers of things to where it takes time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's just it just also seems like I see the high school here where my children go. It's a giant school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the hallways are, like, 100 yards long. Yep. And their resource officer, that sweet little lady, she's carrying a pistol. And I'm like, like I can shoot okay. I think I'd rather have a rifle. That's one thing that I felt like I watched a couple of the videos that on the Tomahawk YouTube mm-hmm. channel and there was an exercise at a JP Morgan, I believe. I don't know if we can say that. It's in the video. It says mm-hmm. in the video. Um and there was local law enforcement that showed up. Um it was a couple of female officers and then the SWAT team ended up coming. But I'm watching the local law enforcement, like the patrolmen and women, go through the building and the whole time I was thinking like I would feel real undergunned. Like they just had pistols Mm -hmm. and I'm like that I would be because like there's a big institution yeah, and they're going through like that's what I I think about with my kids school. It's like that like you know basically you step into the main hallway and you look this way and it's a hundred meter range (laughs) you know down a hallway like oh a pistol. Also you bringing it up like knowing that like growing up we had school resource officer in our school or whatever nice guy and like as I'm older, my parents being law enforcement, I know a couple of SROs, and it's like good people. But I, I have, have more confidence in everyone here that helping me out than those dudes. Like, yeah, they, they just don't have the the training. Yeah, and that's the big thing. It comes down to the training. Um, whether it's an SRO, whether it's a patrol officer, um, a lot of I think there's a misnomer out there that law enforcement uh, because they've done it for 20 years. Um, they're consistently training and, and you see it, a lot of it, it's on the job training, mm-hmm. um, but they're not doing, they're not taking that time to be able to do it. And it, it all comes down to, to resources. It comes down to time. It comes yeah. over to overtime. So it's, it's not completely their fault at all. It, it comes down to a lot of those resources. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of, um, like a lot of the municipalities that we train with, they take it seriously. Mm-hmm. They, they want to invest in their, in their officers. And that's, and that's really where I think, um, where good leaders are. They're investing. Yeah, I mean, They're a good investing. leader, somebody that's smart is going to understand this training. Yeah, you have to invest in the people. You know, you're not buying, you know, a lot of a lot of people want to buy the gear and they think that's like the best end-all, be-all, but it's, it comes down to, yeah, it comes sure. down to that training. Um, yeah, I thought with Sandy Hook, it was like if, if the principal had an AR. Well, I mean, there's fire extinguishers in every classroom. Why is there not, like, it's in a case yeah. and everyone knows just don't touch, don't break the glass like unless you need to what's the difference a fire is going to kill you just like it'll kill well, you like, i mean the israelis they figured out like they all they start training all their teachers and they just start all carrying guns and so then 
you know, it stopped a whole bunch of that school shooting and bombing stuff because people get shot real quick. And I agreeably so. However, the, there's we we obviously live in a place where we're we're not going to find that. First off, that's acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, and then on top of that, to find the invite because then it still comes down to training right so yeah. but yeah you have to look at it and if if you're not you know just throwing that in there it's not gonna it's no not gonna i be agree MLB. it's gotta be more of the training i think that kind of um i think that falls in all of the areas and we've talked about it before but the education and training and the lack thereof just in everything specifically guns and, and gun safety and whatever but i mean we talk about it with the industry whether it's silencers or um just specifics whether it's like fast twist or things like that the lack of inf- I, there's such a there's such a responsibility that should be put on for us manufacturers I think for you guys like you um, to educate and to train the consumer quote unquote um, and I think that there's a disconnect there and it's happening like obviously you guys are doing that and obviously we try like with this podcast we try to educate and not so much train but at least educate the consumer. I feel like this somewhere along the line that was lost at the grand scale. And I don't necessarily know how that hmm. becomes popular know. again. But, but I mean, you look at it. I mean, we've all been there. We've been to, to shot on range day and there's some Ooh. very, very well known writers that when they pick up a gun, you're like, you should not be picking up that gun. Yeah. I'm so terrified of ranges in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I don't work with you or know you like, I'm generally not at the range and you can tell just by the the simple weapons handling um yeah within about five seconds if a person knows what they're doing or not because yeah i mean to me it's like riding a motorcycle you know like eventually you're gonna lay that thing down and eventually like as much as like you shoot or i shoot like stuff goes wrong whether you make a fumble or you know you have a mechanical issue like something's wrong with the fire like things go wrong you have to be so careful mm-hmm. and i am i've always been that way about you know i guess maybe when i was a kid working at a public range right and seeing like the worst stuff ever oh i'm super i'm not a paranoid person when it comes to gun ranges a little bit mm-hmm. yeah no it, it you, it's you got to have a healthy respect for it yeah now with youtube you get to see all these great videos of morons and gun ranges everything's videoed now yeah huh. yep. instructors too i mean there's a oh. there's a super popular video of a guy with a revolver, it's like five hundred so or whatever, and he's he's. Did you mean to something. do that? Yeah, like, yeah. But it's like, how? Like, we we should we should link to yeah, that. Yeah, it's rips. such a great video, oh. and that guy looks like the stereotype of a douchebag. Yeah, because cargo shorts. Oh on. my god, so scary. But that's the thing is like, granted, maybe that guy nine out of ten times is a pro. Maybe he's their best guy, but things know, go man. wrong. I mean, he doesn't look like it, but. Like you said, things go wrong. Granted, the thing that went wrong was he pulled the hammer back and then pulled the trigger. Yeah, that's a and, and everything about that video was wrong. But yeah. I just think like in you know I don't know how many rounds I've shot through a gun, but it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands. In trying to think of like you know having ads or things like that, but most of ours is like we're working on you know prototyping and building things, mm-hmm. and you know you're at the range and something happens, you're like, oh thank God that was pointed down there. Yeah. Yep. You know, like you get surprised occasionally. Um, yeah, but that video, that video is great. That riffs. Fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, all right. So how's a, how's a pandemic been for you? Businessman. Pan- oh, 
the pandemic's been interesting as as everybody says interesting is an interesting word um it it makes you think and makes you evolve you know yeah how'd you stay in business we um are you guys training in masks now (laughs) we 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 follow every regulation (laughs) um no, so uh, yeah, for we probably had three months of complete cancellations, uh, postponements, whatever you want to call them. Oh, that was it, just three months. Uh, disruptions, because we we knew we had these clients that they knew that they had training. Um, some of our clients, yeah, had, don't want to get shot or yeah. a cold. <laughs> yeah. So some of the uh, some of our other clients needed. Um, they actually had open buildings, and it was a it was a perfect training environment because there was nobody in there. Oh yeah, so, I guess that's true. Yeah, a lot of places. So once huh. once once we kind of got over that initial um, kind of disruption, um, we started look reaching out to our clients, figuring out uh, you know how we could um, utilize some of these training spaces that they might not be able to. So um, you know we've kind of made made lemons with what we had, um, and then can kind of continue to kind of grow that um, the, you know that kind of mindset. Like okay, if this building is going to be you know completely empty except the the security, like how can we how can we maximize yeah that's training. great training rather than just setting up some container range where like uh-huh. you guys yep. would typically do training yeah you know you just think that's about cool. it it's, it's your hometown like like make them have you know second thoughts about that you know you're, you're gonna know the, the layout way better than um, anybody any other adversary there um, so you can take the time um, and, and kind of train through that and kind of come up with different uh, drills and exercises yeah. um, the so home field advantage is a real thing it is yeah. It is. Um, so, yeah, so that was good. That was good for us. Um, you know, we continued uh, because the, the other way, you know, we saw it is um, some organizations, some municipalities had extra budget money um, that they were going to lose. Anyways. Oh, yeah, because it was budgeted and they weren't able to do it. Exactly. Oh, that's, so, yeah, that's good. So they, you know, they they came to us for gear recommendations and different things that they could do on that side. If, if they couldn't do the training or they could do the training, it really depended um, and, and every place is completely different on how they use funds and what kind of funds they use. Uh, but we're there to try to kind of help them on that and guide them with the different um, the different gear that we've kind of worked with in our old lives. Yeah. Um, and then kind of what, whatever's emerging now um, and yeah. kind of just kind of keep our finger on the pulse on that side of it. Uh, well, well uh, what? Oh, I was got? just going to say, I mean, it's sort of a transition. But one thing that I noticed going just I mean, there's a few u- videos on the YouTube channel and then the stuff that you sent me. Um Going through it, the one thing that kind of stood out to me, and I was curious to ask you about it, um, is that a lot of guys, especially now, you see a lot of guys uh, get out of the military um, at all levels, but mm-hmm. a lot of tier one guys as well. Um, and it seems like that's the, like training is just like the natural thing for them to do. And I think that a lot of, from what it seems like, a lot of them focus very heavily on their their previous life um in the tactics like the not necessarily like ttps that they're teaching or anything but um they focus super heavy on it and from what i saw well, in just the, the easiest way to do it right it's absolutely. hard to start a, a business and diversify right I mean, and, that ain't easy and that's from wh- what i'm getting at is from what i saw in those videos it seems as though you found a way to apply it to th- the world that each um customer i guess each world that they live in mm-hmm. and I was curious if if you would say that that's what differentiates you from this huge like influx of guys getting out and focusing. We're I'm a I'm a trainer now. Yeah. No, I, I think yeah. I mean, I think that's a good point. Um, we you know we look at every client differently. Um, it's not you're just getting something out of the box. You know, we we sit there, we listen to them. We um, every every client's different. 
you know, their right and left, uh, left flanks of what you can do is completely different. Whether it's a SWAT team um, here in the Northeast, in California, in Florida, every single SWAT team is going to be a little bit different. Um, so you have, to, you have to take the time to kind of listen to them and make sure um, on that side. Any, any organization that says there's only one way to do it, I got, it's, they're wrong. Like yeah. it's, 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 it's not that. Um, you, you're pretty naive if, if you think that's it. Um, I understand that um, Army, Navy, they, they've got some different things, but it works for both of them. As long as everybody's on the same page, then, then you're going to be on a, on a way better playing field. Yeah. Um, so whichever way you kind of want to do it, there's, there's multiple different ways to do it. Anybody that sits, stands there on their soapbox and says, it's, hey, this my way or the highway, mm-hmm. you can you can tell right there um, they're not looking at it. So they're not your the, the clients. It's not their best interest. Right. Uh, the, you know, the client's interest is the how, hey, how do we do this? And how do I how do I take what you guys took and learned overseas and and, and adapt it to modern day policing? Because it's not the same. Um, distance and space is is a lot of the things that is the same. But, you know, rules of engagement are different. A lot of the other tools that you have are different. So you can't just take. um something that you learned and just say, Hey, fit, you know, you learn how to fit this in. It's, right. it's us. We have to do it. Um, and we have a, a, a diversified group of backgrounds that we use. Um, so we've got guys from mine, we've got guys from the army side, we've got guys, um, from corporate, we've got guys from the law enforcement side. So we bring everybody in and we kind of come together and that consensus of how we're going to teach it and how, what's the best way, um, different municipalities can grasp it. And then as well, different, um, you know, the different clientele sets as well. So if it's an armed guard, if it's a, whether those are proprietary or third party, you know, we have to kind of put that out there and make sure that those individuals and we're putting a product down that they can consume and then exact, you know, execute on on kind of those plans. So we go, we go back and forth. Um, You know, we do our, we do our own internal training, obviously um, once you get out, you know, your time setting. But um, the cool thing about us is, We've got a lot of individuals that are coming out of our, you know, these backgrounds that I kind of talked about there that can keep us up to speed. Um, so we know that we're still um, kind of hitting all those marks on if there's uh, a different TTP, th- you know, flip or something right, right. like that. We're able to kind of uh, c- continue to incorporate that. As guys like us get older, the world changes, Jay. You'll see it one day, son. Someday. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so I think. I, I think he's making a good point where it's like if you have. Yeah, a, how do you stay relevant? Yeah. And also it's you kind of touched on it without directly touching on it, but um, it's cool to see that regardless of who you're, or depending on who your client is, like you're not going to, you're not going to show a financial institution. Yep. The same thing you would show local law enforcement Mm -hmm. and so on. Um, And I think that's that disconnect where I see, because you see a lot of videos on whether it's Instagram or YouTube or whatever of guys trying to build their brand, which is what you have to do. Like, but it seems like every client or every video, they're showing them the same thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And regardless of who it is, whether it's local law enforcement, whether it's private security, whether regardless, but it, yeah. I think that is a, a differentiator between you guys and, and a lot of the yeah, stuff we, you're seeing. And we have to, um, you know, you can't just go down there and shove something down somebody's throat that they're not kind of wanting to do. So you got to listen to your client. Um, and then, and, and realize too, some clients aren't, you know, it's not a good fit. And, yeah. and maybe there's a, a competitor out there that, you know, that we're friends with that can say, Hey, you, you might want to go that way. Yeah. Um, they have a better, um, a better understanding of kind of what you want on that side of it. So, um, you know, so we're working, uh, you know, kind of on that side of it as well. The pond is, is huge. You know, you can't, you can't take all the business. It's just, it's right. not possible. Um, and so, 
you know, we look at it holistically on that side of it and kind of figure out where kind of we fit in on that side of it. Um, if the client's right, then it's right. If it's not, you know, you got you to gotta look at that. And um, I'm sure we've all, you know, kind of fired some clients before, but nah. to the... <laughs> I'm, I'm not looking. We at you. certainly, <laughs> but uh, but you know, hey, we've you got to look at it like that, and um, you know, we we want to differentiate ourselves um, by that kind of diversity of backgrounds that we have. Yeah, and then on top of that, just um, performing kind of what we're doing and, and explaining the why behind what we're teaching. Yeah, um, and I think that's a huge thing, and I I think you've seen it, uh, a few other companies come out and, and do that, and that was that was big. If 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 somebody's teaching you something and they can't explain the why. And you should probably get somebody else teaching you. Well, it's the responsible way of doing it too. Like you don't need to teach a, a bank teller how to do a dynamic entry on a room. Like no, that. you need to teach them de-escalation of right. a consumer facing. And, and we do that. You know, we have right. these different courses for the different individual that, that you have. Um, and it's not, it's not the red, you know, the, the round, round hole square yeah, peg. Yeah. Um, you got to customize and you got to shave that, that peg down. So it does fit for the clientele. Um, and understand what they're doing, and then, and then as, because that's what you you can see. You can see what what's working for them, and then you can continue that. And you and a lot of this, um, you know, the eighty percent answer, if you will, um, of you can you can take some of this and and put it to another client, mm-hmm. but you still have to to shape the rest of that twenty percent right. of the of the problem. Well, you you do so like corporate municipalities. Mm-hmm. high net worth or something like that. Do you, do you guys do any just like regular civilian training or classes? Um, they're with certain entities. So we've done it. Um, we were, we were talking uh, about uh, one of our, one of our friends that came up here. We were, um, what's his name? We were just talking about Tom him. Smith. No, uh, Dave Kramer. No, Wayne Weber, Mike Murphy, Griffin and how Mike Murphy, Mike Murphy. Yep. Mike Murphy. So, um, you know, we've, ta- we've taught things there. Um, we haven't in a while, uh, but then there's another place out in uh, California. It's called Wing and Barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put on some different training for uh, some of their uh, for some of their members. So this is also how to like kill birds. Good. <laughs> <laughs> this is also sort of borderline high net worth. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's kind of those you know those individuals that kind of can can come in there. You know, they appreciate kind of what our brand is. You're um, not teaching like a level one CCW. No, like, yeah, no, it's yeah, uh, to them, it, you know, we, d- and when we look at it holistically as well and that as well, if you're going to be carrying a gun, you should have a medical course. So let's, you know, we, we do all that. So make sure you know how to put a tourniquet on, make sure you're carrying a tourniquet, you know, whether it's in your, um, whether it's in your purse, whether it's in your briefcase, whether it's in your car, be prepared. You'd rather obviously have this stuff than, yeah. than not, and then try to use a, your, your tie or your belt, yeah. um, for or a, a tampon. Sure. <laughs> um, That's the. That's the, still going around. People are training. Yep. There are guys that are training. Use a tampon if you don't have anything else. You, you, sh- you, you shoot yourself. I'm totally <laughs> stuffing a tampon. <laughs> no, in please, you don't. <laughs> please don't. Somewhere you're getting a tampon <laughs> shoved in you. But that's the big thing. It's yeah. it's making like this is what these are the things you have to have. Like if you're carrying a gun, um, concealed yeah. carry, a police officer. This reminds me a lot of Bill Rapier. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Some of the stuff he was yep. talking about. I mean, know. you just you you got to look at it like that. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so we kind of do all that. Um, you know, if you're a corporate security individual, hey, it, and you're wearing a suit, is there any way to differentiate yourself as, for, as a friend or a foe? Right. Um, you know, we use we use it, uh, sashes um, mm. to kind of help with that. Um, you know, do you have concealable body armor? You know, if, if you're if, if you're a corporation and you're expecting your your security guards to respond to a threat, you should probably give them you know some kind of yeah. concealable body armor. Um, yeah. 
uh, so yeah, so you have to kind of look at it that way. Um, and then you build a program around kind of what they're needing. Um, and then you kind of shape that program for each, each different client. Um, like I said, every, no client's the same, right. um, even if they're in the same industry, whether it's real estate, yeah. financial. You know, it's so funny, and I'm sure like, like this kind of work is expensive. But like as our company grows, being totally different, but when you think about processes or even security that mm-hmm. we do at the building now, but we think of like our new ERP system, it's so much cheaper to buy the right thing first. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, and whether it's, you know, like physical security or training or our ERP system or equipment, it's like I get, to, you know, our company's to the certain size now to where it's, it doesn't matter what the price is. Like, if this is the thing we need for the next five years, it's what we got to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, it's just once. so, yeah. Cry once, cry once. Or whatever, or something. <laughs> something. Something. Buy once, cry, cry once. once. Yeah, I liked something. yours better. Cry, cry once, cry once, cry once, cry once. Keep trying. <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I mean, I think it's true, and I see it now with training for anything. Our machinist, for ERP systems, just for anything that we're doing at work. You know, whether it's uh, you know welding, running the EDM machines, our security, like the physical security for our building now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, let's just do what we're going to need forever right now. Yeah, you know, or everything that we can foresee. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we let's just not because you know before you know it, this is going to take twice as long as we think, cost twice as much, and then half the time we think we're going to have to upgrade. Yeah, like that's what I've learned with experience. I'm like, ah, oh, I ain't got time to load mags, man. Like I'm just I linked <laughs> your ammo for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's yeah. I it's something I learned like as the business has grown but with maturity as well. You know, like I was telling you about that ridiculous couch I've got and mm-hmm. I started looking at it and it was like, Well, my allergist is like, get rid of all you know, get like leather and told me this mattress to get and all because my allergies mm-hmm. are all screwed up up here. And I start looking at the couch no normal sofas and I go look at them and sit on them I'm like man I don't like this and I got to get leather which I don't want anyway I was like I get a new sofa like once every 10 years I should get whatever in the world it is that I want yeah and you know like I'm you did fat and lazy so I spend a lot of time on the sofa so <laughs> it's like get what I want and I did you and did. I don't regret it except when my son when I'm out of town he eats on it and then ruins it I want to strangle his little oh it's like, I, f- I thought you wanted to punch me in the face. <laughs> well, good, because I did yeah. <laughs> exactly what I wanted to do. But you weren't 18 yet, so yeah. you didn't get punched in the face. Well, punk, he's awesome. God, I love that kid. I wish I didn't sometimes as much as I do. I could string him this morning. My man, you know, he, he's into thrifting. Yes, he is. And uh, I didn't show you guys the pictures or anything this morning. So, um He's into, as you guys have seen, this uh, dressing like the 90s. I like it. Yeah. And so he goes thrifting and he gets, he brags to me about, you know, he spends $6 on this Nautica windbreaker that's so awesome that, you know, you know, Wu-Tang was wearing in some video, whatever. And uh, so he washed one last night and I uh, opened the washer to wash some of my stuff. And there's one little windbreaker's in there. But you know what else is in there? A million pieces of that plastic liner that dry rotted and was all over the place. It took me half an hour to get that stuff up. And I was just like, oh, relax. Yeah. And hey, at least he didn't have all the other clothes in there. Right. And, you know, he felt guilty, so he got us breakfast sandwiches. So that's what I've learned. The art of manipulation with the children. It's <laughs> so like physical violence only goes so far. Sometimes you just got to 
Guilt him. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's go take a pee and then take get after your childhood. Sounds good. Yeah. That sounded We're weird. We're gonna find but. your inner traumas. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on tacticalshooters.com right now, I'm trying to get more of these Neptune pants 4.0s. The skinnies or the slims? I don't know what they are, but they they're sick. So I need more. Unpossible 15 gets you 15% off at checkout. Just go on there, get whatever you want. They have everything. You know what else it gets you? What's it get me? Bitches. 15% off, Unpossible 15. So what's Little Wally doing growing up? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in a little town just south of Buffalo called Dunkirk, New York. Dunkirk. <laughs> cold like Dunkirk? Uh, yes. Yeah. It was definitely cold. Yeah, Buffalo. L- Lake no effect joke, snow. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you a Bills fan? No. No? No, I grew up uh, a Packers fan. Really? Green Bay. Yeah. Is it your family from there or something? No, my dad, uh, long story, but like they had a, a couple of football teams um, when they were little, and they were like the Raiders, the Packers, the Colts. This was uh, before the Bills were a team, and uh, so he, the little football team he played for was the Packers. And, oh, so he just... Yeah, and then they were winning in the 60s, so Packer fan, and then I liked... Not sleeping in the garage, so I was a Packer. <laughs> yeah, well, Buffalo had a rough go there. What, like four Super Bowls yep. and all losses? Yep. Old Jim Kelly, poor fellow. Um, all right, so you grew up there. Yeah, I grew up there. I um, ran track. I, I did all the sports, but uh, high school I ran track, cross country. Um, I swam, and, and that was really kind of – I hated swimming, but the only reason I did was because – I watched Charlie Sheen and wanted to become a Navy SEAL. <laughs> oh, the documentary? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, true, the true life story? Yeah. Yeah. Did that really get you to want to be a Navy SEAL? Yeah. Please was, tell me that's true. No, I swear to God. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> first, so first awesome. I wanted to be a pilot because of Top Gun, and then I saw Navy SEALs, and I was like, ooh, I want to do that. And then, uh, you know, that was in the 90s. Not, not a yeah. lot of people. Uh, the military really wasn't a, a popular option back then, but uh, it, uh, yeah, it was something that just I gravitated towards, and. That's kind of what I want to do. Should have been a pilot. <laughs> In one hindsight. Of, one of you should have been. <laughs> no shit, yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Charlie Sheen, the greatest <laughs> recruiting tool yeah, <laughs> of the armed forces. Was. Well, I mean, that was, yeah, for people, yeah, I think my age to your age, that was. No, that movie was awesome. And then, you know, you, <laughs> you got into the books, you know, the rich, uh, the Dick Marcingo books. You got into the. You know, the Patch Watson ones, anything about Vietnam, you, you kind of read all those. Um, I always loved World War II, so World War II is a big, um, you know, just the stories behind that, um, reading, you know, reading all those different books. Um, you know, Band of Brothers came out, you know, you yeah. had Black Hawk Down came out. Did the sounds for Band of Brothers, just saying. Gun sounds, all for my guns. <laughs> he made them with his mouth. Like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got, like, I, I bought a World War II Jeep. I have that. Like, oh, yeah? Yeah, it's just fun. Like Yeah, I, I never, like... It's so weird when I got into guns and stuff. I never cared about any of that. Mm-hmm. And But my son, from the time he was born, he's the reason I have a lot of World War II stuff now. He always loved it. He didn't care. Because like when he's growing up, like all you guys are around at my farm and stuff all the time. And it was like fine to him. But he didn't care. He was just like, you know, has World War II helmet on and his yeah. M1 Garand. <laughs> he's like, guys are pussies. <laughs> no, but it was weird, you know. Like, for, for me, when I got into guns, I loved all the current stuff. And back then was H&K and, mm-hmm. like, that time frame. And uh, for him, he was, Tommy was born. Like, we had a bunch of machine guns, his own range, like, all this stuff, you know. And I was, uh, when was he born? Uh, but in the middle of advanced armament and all that stuff and, like, supporting, you know, you guys and, and, and alike and, 
he just like he's friends he would shoot with him yeah you know uh, like Lindsey bunch would be at the at the farm all the time he's you know sniper at the time and shoot with aiden and they were both very patient and stuff like that's at work but he didn't care about any of the current stuff hmm. you know it's so weird he just liked world war Two. yeah well it's it's incredible i mean just uh, you know last year i went to normandy oh yeah when france went uh, when france opened up and uh it's always it would it was always on my bucket list to kind of go wait. and it was just an amazing experience um yeah it was the perfect time to go um it was three or four weeks after uh france opened up so no one's there so nobody was there um and it was just incredible uh you know going through the different museums going to the different oh. um you know, we were at Utah, we were at Omaha. Yeah. Just uh, the cemetery. We went to uh, uh, Mount St. Anglis, you know, where, uh, what was his name? Sergeant, uh, can't remember off the top of my head, but he got stuck on the tower, um, played dead for a while. Uh, uh, John Steele, Sergeant John Steele, he, he jumped in, his parachute got stuck oh. on the, stuck on the uh, Oh, how terrifying. Uh, yeah, he played dead for a while. He was actually captured, then he, then he, uh, and he escaped, you know, came back with his unit. You know, and oh, just I, incredible story. I got to read this story. Yeah. Because uh, I've been supposed to take him for the last couple of years, the Band of Brothers tour. Mm-hmm. We're going to do the whole thing. But, you know, COVID has been all screwy. Did you just go or did you? Because I see guys jump in all the time, too, just to, like, do the jump. Yeah. No, yeah. We just went. Uh, yeah. Like I said, this was last June, right, early yeah. July. Um, so not, really nothing was open. And yeah. It, but, man, it was incredible. Um, and the amount of American flags that were there. That's awesome. Um, and, and apparently, I, we didn't go to the British or the Canadian sectors, but there's if you go to those sectors, they have all the British flags, they have all the That's Canadian, cool. um, um, and they're just very, awesome. very thankful. Um, there's a lot of different monuments everywhere. That's so cool because you would never know this going to Paris. Yeah, Paris <laughs> actually, we because we obviously you fly into Paris. Yeah, um, and it was a really good reception. Uh, oh, really? It was because they were just. I think they were just happy to see oh tourism. tourism. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and everything again so that was it, it was really a warm welcome uh, just across the whole country it was uh it was a really fun time because um, yeah i've i've been to paris a bunch of times and over the years and yeah it seems like traditionally they're not fond of americans but i do find like out in the country in france like every all country people are good it seems like and nice and yeah but it is interesting to see there's not a lot of american flags flying mm-hmm. in paris probably not but yeah in Normandy, they're they're everywhere, and you know the it's different so cool. the different memorials. You know they they have one to Frank Winters from yeah uh, Band oh of yeah, yeah, yeah yeah they've got his statue, um, and then you go to some of the bridges, the two key bridges that um, where the where the main drop was, mm-hmm. um, and you go to this one uh, memorial, and you know they've got the it's just incredible, and you you within sight of this on the on the uh, statue it says within sight of this memorial, two Medal of Honors were awarded. And then it goes down how many distinguished oh, wow. service crosses, how many silver stars, how many bronze stars, and through the whole campaign. And you're just, I mean, you're just in awe of just the, the heroism um, that that these men had. I mean, you've been in combat, but I've not. I cannot imagine a scarier sequence than like Omaha or like the beginning of Private Ryan. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. You talk about Charlie Sheen motivating people to want to join the military. Yeah. I think that's the opposite. Yeah. That seems like the scariest thing in the world. The balls those guys had. Yeah. Um, you go to the Airborne uh, Museum in um, St. Mary Glees. Um, it's, it's super, it's super interesting. So you go in there, they've got like a, a glider. 
they've got mock-ups of uh, oh the glider cool yeah they've yeah. got the mock-ups of all the people inside of it with all their gear and then you go in and there's a half uh, of a c47 and there's the the everybody's mocked up in their jump gear and you walk into it and it, it all goes black and all of a sudden you it starts shaking like and then outside the window, you start seeing flashes like it's the uh, oh, like flack the, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then you come to the and then the instructor is you know I've been to airborne school, so he's talking about and he's saying thirty seconds hook up, and you're like holy shit. And then all of a sudden it, it keeps shaking, and then it's you look out the window and you can see um, this recreation of just what it looked like at that elevation of the countryside, and there's flashes going off. Um, and then you see other airplanes in the air and then he's like two, you know, uh, he goes, go, go, go. And then you're, you basically jump, you, you, you kind of jump out, but it's, it's a clear, um, a clear step that you go into. Oh, and then there's like, oh, that's scary. And then there's a wind blast. So you kind of feel it. Um, and it's just, it's just, a great, you're, it's incredible. Oh, that's pretty just cool. Just how they kind of recreate it. Yeah, I didn't know they had done so much with museums there for that. Yeah. I was unaware. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And then you got, uh, you know, there's a museum on Utah. I mean, there's they're, they're throughout there, and they're, yeah. they're pretty cool. But some of the little stories that you go through, um, if you go, definitely get a, a tour guide, um, and they know, and they walk, it, walk you through. Um, the tour guide we had, she had a, a, a book of all old school pictures. So you would stand somewhere, and she'd be like, okay, this is what it used to look like. Oh, and she would kind of walk you through all these different yeah. places. Um, one of the coolest stories was um, it was the day that everybody got dropped. Um, there was a, you know, obviously the Germans were there, the Americans were there. And um, one of the brothers of the guy that sit, uh, had this uh, had this house, he got wounded. And the Americans came in, they patched him up, uh, made sure this the kid was um, still alive and everything. Um, and then as all these stories kind of came out, they, um, the, the French started figuring out who everybody was. And on the side of the, um, their cobblestone uh, barn, they would inscribe everybody's name. And then they finally found the guy that patched up his brother. And uh, he still lives there today, 95 years old. Damn. Really? Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah, you get, you get like cool goosebumps. When you I know. Is it, I mean, just thinking about that kind of stuff. Can you? Can you I, I don't. I have not seen all of the war movies, mm-hmm. nor have I been in war. But I can't imagine someone doing a much better job than they did with Band of Brothers, like conveying yeah. like the misery and just just like the emotions, these, yeah, the yeah. aspects of it. I think the thing that gets lost in that too is that difference between then and now is that in World War Two, if you went to war, you went till the war was over. You didn't just go do. A pump and then come back. Yeah, like you went until oh, yeah. it was done. Didn't think about that. Yeah, and that's what's crazy. Like you see these guys live through multiple theaters and then come yeah. back, and it's insane. They did a good job with the movie too. I think where one of the best things they did was to make it ten parts or eight parts, whatever yeah. it is, to where you know they didn't have to skip on something right. or yeah, cut com- a lot, compress it into yeah. a two and a half hour movie. Yeah, yeah it's just a wonderful. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you have, you know, the Pacific. That was a, a great one. I haven't well. even finished yeah. watching all that, but the, that's a good one. Is the sounds for that as well? Barcelona. There's a new one coming out actually. It's about pilots. Interesting. It's not done yet, but or it's not out yet. Whatever, mm. But if you're ever down in uh, New Orleans, the uh, the museum down there, the National D Day Museum. Yeah, I, I took I took Aiden. Uh, I don't know. Probably three or four years ago. Yeah, it's amazing. The amount yeah. of airplanes that they have there. Incredible. Um, I remember the first time I went there, it was February of 2011. 
And I thought National D-Day Museum, right? Just the Atlantic. So I walked through that whole thing. And then you all of a sudden you walk into the Pacific side and you're like, oh, I don't have enough time to go through this. No, it's big. Yeah. That is it's not well a done. theater that I would want to have been in. It se- I know. I haven't been able to. I've watched about half of it so far. But it seems like you think, oh, you watch Band of Brothers and Europe was like so terrible in its own way. But it's a whole different kind of terrible. Europe Pacific. was still almost like a gentleman's war, quote unquote. Like there's still some sort of it seemed like honor and what was going on where the Pacific Theater seems nuts. Yeah. Yeah. From well, just culturally, yeah. too, it's so vastly different. I think it's something like, you know, like we don't understand that. Like they're much, yeah. more, much different than us, than, you know, our society, than Europeans. Right. Yeah. Like you relate to it better. Yeah. That it's yeah. I'm about halfway through and it's yeah. There's bunch of scenes that have just blown me away with that i mean that movie's gruesome yeah 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 well okay so uh we go from you being a little, a little kid to war movies yeah. um what so what happened you're in high school you're playing yep. the sport so your family were they in the navy as well or in so, the military yep i had um all my uncles were in the navy um yeah. one uncle was a, a pilot in Vietnam. He was a CSAR pilot. We had another was uh, helicopter. Helicopter. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then he. Uh, then we had a few other uncles that were just in. I think for four years. Um, and then I had another uncle that was a diver. Um, then he became EOD. Um, and you know, like I said, that was. Did they all? Do they all hate the army? Uh, I. They're 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 hundred percent navy. They don't hate army. They just they're hundred percent navy. Okay. PC. Yeah. So, okay, so there was no option for you if you wanted to go in the military. So, little known fact, I actually joined the joined the Army. Oh! I was going to be an Army Ranger. And, Wally uh, the rebellious one. And my uh, my uncle called me up and he's like... He you, slapped you. He goes, you will be driving a Jeep for a general. Uh, so, got out of the delayed entry program in the Army, joined the Navy. Uh, and then got my SEAL contract and uh, joined the Navy when I was 17. My parents signed signed that paperwork. Um, and, and so you had a contract going in that you would be able to go through buds at least or no it was uh, it? it was called the seal challenge back then and it basically said that in in boot camp or a school i can't remember which one it was that you would have um you would be able to take the test um, and if you pass mm-hmm. the physical test then you would go to buds oh okay so you have a route an opportunity yep what, so what year did you go in 99 oh okay um i was four you kids are so young <laughs> i was old <laughs> um so yeah so went through boot camp in uh great lakes then i went through gunner's mate eighth school there um that was four months and then yeah that w- w- during a school is when i got my orders to um to buds um and then so i was there i think it was april march or april of so you got to go to buds really you, you never done anything except go through yeah i was a paper boy and then i went to buds did oh, you that's cool did you uh did you just walk through buds or did you get it and roll back there and roll back no, and like didn't that? roll back i did not walk through buds. no 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 i don't think yeah, you, yeah. um why well, it's like it's not, easy it's not that bad so <laughs> so easy um no i mean obviously it was, it was when you look back at things it's a lot of you know, right, you're right. like oh that was fun uh, yeah and you're like holy shit i didn't want to do that again yeah uh but no i you know, swimming was always my my thing um it, it never occurred to me like when I ran, I you know I ran high school. I ran uh, mm-hmm. like I was a miler, like I had a four and a half minute mile. Um, but I was you know tiny. But 
Is that good? Four minutes? <laughs> Not for you, but for the average man, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. But if you, um, but if 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 I ran harder or put out harder, you would go faster. Right. Uh, in swimming, that's not that that's not the case. Okay. You, you create more drag, all this other thing. So I would go slower. I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um. So, I had a swim lesson. Um. As I'm in buds, they're like, hey, you just need to tweak this on your technique, and I dropped like nine minutes off my two miles. Wow. Um. Two uh, mile swim. You and is I that far. <laughs> Jay. <laughs> I mean, you'd find me at the bottom of the ocean. You you could survive with me on your back. I, unfortunately, though, had to do it by myself. Yeah, yeah. Die. Uh, Yeah. Anybody that says they they didn't think about quitting is probably a liar. Um, uh, At some point, you kind of of think through it. But that that was the worst part for you is the swimming? Swimming was hard. I mean, everybody, I mean, I don't know anybody that didn't uh, not let or or like the cold. So that was obviously miserable. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, you know. It was good for me because I went through when I was eighteen. I was I was young and and stupid. eighteen. See, I didn't even know that. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, I mean, the little bit that I know is that you have to get a rate first, and then now you don't. Oh, okay. Back then you did. Now, yeah. um, it, the the process of going to buds is a completely different process. Yeah. Um, it, it you know I've mentored a few kids um, since then. Right. One's made it through. One's actually in there now. Um, oh, nice. And it's completely different like right. you have to that that whole that physical test that you have to do you have to basically be score in the top percentile right, before yeah. they give you a class and is there like a pre-buds now or something like probably I yeah I, I, don't, I don't i don't know keep up well with so so basically you you were a seal your entire military career yeah other than the uh first yes six months or, yeah, and then i'm counting, sure that counts counting buds yeah so were you a That's, were you a pre-9-11 seal or did your pipeline yep. take you nope up until then yeah. nope i was uh so i got to my first seal team in 2001 april oh. somewhere around there they're um, like hey warm up we've got something <laughs> for you young yeah. man so yeah i was uh i was 19 when yeah. i showed up um so i holy we, shit yeah we started my work up um uh you know just not knowing i, I think we were we were going to go to europe anyways mm. um and then uh, uh we were down in uh, camp lejeune uh, in September of nine eleven, obviously, uh, trajectory of my life changed after that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it was interesting on kind of how uh, we were kind of talking about it yesterday a little bit on, you know, what the finish line is. And we always, you know, people think, you know, you start a business that could be a finish line or anything. And it's always ever evolving, um, mm-hmm. your finish lines. Um, and at that time really didn't know what the command was or anything like that. And, but then you started hearing about who was going over there. Right. You know, when I joined the SEALs, I was like, okay, you're a SEAL. Like, yeah, you made it. 9-11 happens. Like, you're, yeah, you're, did, were you, did you know like what it was or anything when you were 17 and going to the Navy? I mean, other than, you know, the old Dick Marcinko books. Yeah. Not knowing, you know. Red Sail. Yeah, thinking it's uh, not there anymore. It, you know, you just kind of, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't. So, so that wasn't a goal for you. It was just like, oh, I'm going to go the Navy and be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Huh. And when, then, were you on an East Coast or a West Coast team? East Coast. Yeah. East Coast, yeah. Yeah, I was at SEAL Team 2. Okay. Um, so that, that kind of started happening. Then you're like, what is this other thing that's going on? You know, there's another level. Um, so, you know, your, your finish line. It's like, or, wait, I just went through all this. I thought <laughs> I'm supposed to be the most badass guy ever. Wait, this is, this is junior college? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you start looking at it and you're, you know, you, you, you always have to look at that next goal yeah. when it is because 
doesn't matter even after that after you make it to wherever um you know there's always there's that continually yeah uh, you, you you just don't make it like if you think about like the olympics or anything like that you know they're training you know depending on your race or anything you're training four years to run 11 seconds or right. nine seconds you know uh, well and then let's say you do it and you win the gold medal well hell a lot of people have one i need to get two yeah. yeah you know not that many people have three yep i mean you're right it is it's like there is there's not really a finish line for most of that stuff nope. and unfortunately in in that career there's kind of a well this is as as far as you can go there but yeah i mean there's a pinnacle but then you have to perform every day and that's yeah. you know that's the Ooh. um you know but being around those individuals that that push you that you look up to um that's you know in getting to go to work every day with those those caliber individuals is very humbling and, and, it, and it drives you even more. Yeah, I know most guys in, in your seat that have been in similar situations. And, and I know probably one of the most remarkable people I've ever known. Um, he was like, he always told me, and we, we spent a lot of time together years back when working with them, became good friends. And and he's like, you know, and and I think similar to you, he also is a, a, is a set of brothers. Mm-hmm. That and um, he's like, you know, we we're just always competitive, and he's like, so you, you know, through grade school, high school, everything, without trying, I was the best at something, or second, maybe third, if I had a cold. And he's like, that's just been my whole life. I never really had to work that hard at like physical things to be great. And he's like, man, it's different when you get there. He's like, you know, even he was on the army side, and he's like, even in, you know, SF. Like, I was still, you know, at like all the physical stuff and everything, like always the top one or two guys. But he's like, when you go to that next level, yeah. it's like I had to work harder than I've ever worked just to be average. Yeah. Like, not to be a loser. <laughs> yeah. And like, you get surrounded by guys like that. So, yeah, I mean, you got to think. Just watched, uh, to segue into some other tangent, the um, last dance with Michael Jordan. Mm. Yep. If That's you guys one. have seen that, it's yep. interesting. So now I'm watching it the second time. And it's so funny, like, hearing these players, you know, whether it's, like, Dennis Rodman or Scottie Pippen or these other guys, they were like, well, yeah, we were really good, and you think you're awesome until you get on the court with Michael Jordan. And it's then, like, everyone hated him. Like, everybody hated him that played with him because it's like he is so maniacal about, like, being the best and winning all these championships. And they're like, you know, you wanted to strangle him all the time, but, like, once it's over, you're so glad you're on his team because there's no way we'd accomplish this without him sort of stuff. And it's like – you know, making guys better. And, you, you know, and he would say the same thing. He's like, you know, I got to be challenged in practice every day. And, you know, I can't have them like slacking off. Like, we got to get after it. Yeah. And uh, so it's just interesting, like people at that level. And, you know, you, you got to find other people at that level to work with to sort of continue to like and, and yeah, improve and stay yep. on top of your game. Yeah. I mean, by no means. Of, and you have to realize that you're not going to be perfect at everything. They're going to make mistakes. But, um, working with those individuals that help drive you um and because bottom line is you don't want to let them down uh, yeah and that's the huge thing and i think um you know with yeah and team sports that's yep. if you want to win and yeah you don't want to be that guy yep yeah so yeah just striving always to be better taking on that criticism um and, and under, understanding that that's that's the business that we're in right so you take that criticism it's not that you know you're not going to go drink beers after or you're uh, you're not going to hang out it's it's that you got to you got to be able to separate that as well we we talked about it when you got to the office yesterday and we were having that company meeting and you know it's part of what trying to convey is is like if you fuck up or you're not good at something 
you know, it doesn't mean you're not valuable. It's like you got to learn to take that criticism. Then what's the, can you be great at this? Or you can't be great at this. Are you in the right position? Or do we just take this part of what you do and we have someone that is great at that? Or, you know, what can you do to be better at it? But so many people, you know, it is a difficult thing when an organization gets so big. And because it used to be, and I was telling them, when there's 11 of us, everyone's under the microscope all the time. And you all have to do three jobs. You all know if someone's slacking or something happens. If you have a common goal to accomplish something, you're not beating somebody up about that. It's it's like you all have the common goal. You want the criticism because you want to improve and you yep. want to help the team. You don't want to let them down. It's difficult when you get large organizations though and people can hide and can hide fuck ups and things like that. And like I, I tried to say yesterday, like no one's ever going to lose their job like fucking up working for me. You know, it's like if you're unwilling to to, to like face what happened and like I love the mistakes because those, you know, those can create the painful things to where you really have to buckle down and, and face these things and come up with a new tactic to like a, achieve a goal. And like, that's how we get better. So yeah, these things are great. That's one of the, the, I think I told you the other day, though, is it's one of the things that, one of the things that you've said that is, has kind of stuck with me the most is, um, people are afraid to fail innately. Um, but you said that, a lot of people think that making a mistake is a failure and in and of it. And even if it was, which it's not having a failure because you're trying something is not a failure and being able to, like you just said, be, if you can't address it yourself or see what you did wrong yourself, having people to, to show you, Hey, the reason that it quote unquote failed is maybe you took a misstep here, alter that and you might succeed. Yeah. And, and that in and of itself, I think it's something that it's been a, a hiccup to get over. Like, there's a there's a, a fear of failure regardless. Um, I think for being a lot able to of put people, that as, yeah, and being able to put that aside is something that um, is important. And like I said, it's something that you've said that stuck with me, and it's it's something that I have to think about. Where it's like, hey, just even if I do something, I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's gonna work. Just try it, and yeah, and we can alter it if it doesn't. I'm happy to live with the results of people trying new things for us to reach this goal. Yeah, like um, that's how you innovate. That's what people don't get, you know, when I talk about like me and Ethan, I try to talk about us in these meetings because, you know, I'm not fearless, but when it comes, like, if I'm not dying, it's like, how big a deal can it be? And, but when you're trying to innovate or, or, you know, with you guys at like that level, like a tier one level, like everything's different. You can't control all the variables. You can train, you can be prepared and we can, you know, you can storyboard this thing and come up with all these things that could go wrong. And a couple of them are going to go wrong, but then all these things are going to go wrong that you, none of you can think of, even with all your experience. But what you got to do is understand, okay, well, that's going to happen and we're still going to get it done. Like we're going to have to make some, you know, game time decisions. We're going to have to do all these things, but we're not going to be pussies. We're not going to, you know, point the finger or ignore it or pretend it didn't happen. Like, let's just face it and go like Ethan and I, I think are very okay with failing because like we always like Ethan and I get along in the sense of we want to innovate. And if you're trying to do something no one's ever done before, like you're going to fail a bunch. It's just inevitable, but that's that's what gives you that knowledge to to get there and it's cool, you know, that now that I've got 30 years experience, Ethan has 20. Yeah. So we have 50 years between the two of us doing pretty much this one thing that we do. So we have made so many mistakes and it's interesting now where I was like the young guy in the industry for 20 years. 
and now I'm an older guy, and there's all these young companies, and I see them do things, and I'm like, ooh, yep, probably should have tested that a little more. That's yeah. not going to go well. And I don't know because I'm so brilliant. I know it because I have You've the scars it. of, like, yeah. doing it, you know, and having to work through it. Yeah. And, you know, and it's always, for me, my motivation was I don't want to work in a factory like my dad. Like, I would rather die. Yeah. Like, seeing his life, and part of it was just, like, his attitude is so miserable. But, like, I want to do my own thing. Like, I want the freedom to fuck up or crash or do all drones. So, <laughs> all these things fly. on my own. But, I, you know, that's where it's so great to for me, whether it's, you know, I love the creative side. So, working with you guys in marketing is I love and enjoy. And that's the thing. Like, marketing is such bullshit. And I love it. And it's like, I feel like now what I know is that we're cool. And as long as we're authentic and as long as our dudes are developing the best products that we can create a demand for, we can't really fail with marketing that much because there is no like kind of right or wrong with it. It's like if we get engagement and we have a good time and there's a back order, that's how I measure our marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's success and failures. It is interesting. Like you run a company now, I run a company and it's like, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I imagine you will say it's uh, the most difficult thing is like people. Like solving that and motivating and keeping everyone like getting after the goal because the personalities and everything, everybody's so different. Like that's where it comes to a gun thing to me. It's just like so simple, even though it's not because I know we have a really smart engineering team and we know some problems we're going to encounter. And then there's all these that we're not smart enough to see now that we're going to encounter. But what we do know is we can get there if we keep working at it. You got to have tenacity and you got to be open and honest with each other. And you have to accept that feedback, which here's the long rant. But it gets back to that. I mean, you got to be able to be critical of yourself and listen to other people and know that you're right. We're going to go have a beer after. This doesn't mean like, you know, Wally's an asshole and I don't like him anymore. It's like he's wanting, you know, me to be as helpful as I can. Yep. Yeah. No, it comes back to what I said um, and, and how you take that perceived failure. Um, you know, Thomas Edison talked about it um, how, when he was. Yeah, how many times did he fail? <laughs> and he said he didn't fail. He said he found out another way not to make a light bulb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, sometimes when you're when you're at that edge, that cutting edge of innovation, um, you, you got to you got to be able to. How do you accept that? Um, and yeah. it, you've, when you when you frame it like that, it's in, in a different aspect. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I love it now. Even with social media, like people, like haters, you know, it's like all these anonymous little idiots that don't do anything. And if they actually trained they as much as they fucking were on their tape <laughs> and the, on their keyboard, they'd yeah. probably be better at what but, they do. Yeah. yeah, and but you think about too. You also, like, I started my first company when I was nineteen. Just like you becoming a freaking Navy SEAL. Like, how stupid were you then compared to now? Oh. And, you know, and it's the same thing for me. It's like, well, given the information and my experience and maturity and everything else, life knowledge, this is how I felt then. This is like, because literally, well, we know kind of an internet idiot that mm -hmm. tries to measure stuff that just like brought up stuff about me from 30 years ago. And it's like, yeah, of course I was stupid 30 years Dude, ago. Five years ago, I was a person <laughs> that I wish I was like. I'm just like, but man, I wish I wasn't like that. But whether it's a goal, and it seems obvious to me, but most people should understand with their life, it's like we have this goal. And like for me, the overall goal of the company is innovation and quality and building a brand and us enjoying going to work every day. Like mm -hmm. That's like the goal for me. 
Like it, it was, it's not a financial goal or this or that, but a lot of it, our journey, you, you know, things are going to happen and you got to be able to shift and correct. And I'm going to learn things that, you know, right now there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, fuck you guys, this is right. In two years from now, when we have more experience, more failures, more successes, I'm going to be like, yeah, I used to think that, but it's why I say I reserve the right to change my mind. Cause I'm going to learn some stuff that's going to show me. I didn't know what I was talking about then. Yeah. And that's okay. But it is, it, it is interesting that you like, like I see it at least with me running my mouth all the time that I'll get a lot of criticism on like lots of stuff. And I was just like, okay, you're 23 years old. What you're talking about was something I said 28 years ago, you know? Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to adjust and like flexibility. Know, yeah. The flexibility as you, as you're trying to reach these goals and the new things pop up like right now, Ethan and I are still in love with small arms and, um, you know, doing stuff that we think makes a difference on the commercial market and that can uh, help the military. But it's called Q because I don't know, like maybe Ethan and I were going to get old and get into sailboats or something. Like, why do I know? Can't but, wait. Till you we, know, can't wait till we switch to missiles and bombs. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to shine. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, let me tell master. you something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, to me, that's kind of the exciting part of life. When I was younger, I thought, you know, if I made money, I could control a lot of things. And it's like you get older and wiser, more experienced, and you realize like how little control you have over, you know, stuff. Yeah, you could, you, there's only there's one thing you can control, and it's yourself. So if, yeah. you, if you bet on yourself um, and continue to, to move that, that needle forward for yourself, that, you know, those, a lot of those good things do come um, if you do it the right way. So let's say little Wally, little 12-year-old Wally again, still want to grow up be a Navy SEAL? Oh yeah, there's very few things I would change, and probably wouldn't change. Even getting in trouble, it's it, it define it doesn't doesn't define you. You really? got to learn from it. I wouldn't mm. know. I've never gotten in trouble before. <laughs> <laughs>